Well, good morning, Sunrise. Welcome to church on this great day. A little milder this Sunday than last Sunday, so that is a good thing. Not quite feeling like spring yet, but we're getting there, right? Well, it is good to worship with you all today, to be in church together. Um, so you guys got song sheets um, if, when you came in this morning, so that doesn't mean that a projector isn't quite fixed yet, but we're planning on that this week to get it all set. If you came in early this morning and didn't get a song sheet, um, you can quick run back to the um, greeters by the door and grab one of those if you want to know the songs this morning and sing along with us. So, um, But it is a good day to be here together worshiping God. Why don't you guys stand with us as we... Um, as we sing, as we declare our praises to God and, and join in singing together. Let's worship. He's coming on the clouds, kings and kingdoms will bow down, and every chain will break, as broken hearts declare His praise, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Who can they will bow before him? His dark God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. So open up the gates, make way before the King of Kings. The God who comes to save, it is set the captives free. Amen. But who can stop the Lord Almighty? It's our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. is roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. It's our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sins of the world, His blood raised the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. Yes, every knee will bow before You, God. Stop the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? It's who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Oh, he's fighting our battles. Oh, 
who can stop the Lord Almighty? No one. Oh, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty?
Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word. From a throne of endless glory, to a cradle in the dirt. the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost you redeemed the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus for our sake you died That stone was moved for good And the Lamb who conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe For the souls of all would come To the Father all restored And the church of Christ was born Then the Spirit lit the flame this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not fail. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who is resurrected
God. We adore you today. We are in love with you, Jesus. How good it is to sing your praises, to join our voices with those around us. Yes, God, we declare from our lips that we praise you today. We give you honor. We give you glory. And God, as we feel your Holy Spirit just moving around us, moving among us in this place, thank you for changing our hearts, drawing us closer to you, Jesus. God, speak to us even now. Speak to our hearts. Open our ears to hear from you, Jesus. guys go ahead and take a seat. Well, I get to offer the announcements today, so I'm going to scooch right over to the middle of the stage. Um, before I get to those, if you, this happens to be your first Sunday with us and you are a guest today, I want to welcome you. I want to thank you for hanging out with us today. Um, there is a gift out on the connect table right beside that giant new here sign. Kind of hard to miss, but we would love to connect with you, answer any questions you may have about Sunrise, help you feel a little welcome. So join us out there if this is your first time today. So a couple of announcements. Um, first, we, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now, but we're getting closer and closer to February where our small groups are going to kick off again. We'll be doing things kind of like we did back in the fall where we did this uh, Practicing the Way series. We, last fall, we practiced... Um, well, we studied prayer and got really in-depth in prayer. This go-around will be um, focusing on the Sabbath and going right along with Pastor Dennis's sermon series. So it's awesome that we're going to do this, go a little deeper, dive deeper into the Sabbath and learning about that while Dennis is preaching. So um, if you've not been in a small group before, shoot me an email, dan at sunrisemen.org, or go on the website or app and just um, jump on there, and we will get you signed up and into a group for this fall, or sorry, this spring winter, spring. They start in February, kind of go through Easter, um, the Sabbath study, and then we'll, the groups will continue, continue a little bit longer after Easter and spring break as well. So next of all, we have Pub Theology starting up on a Tuesday, February 6th. So uh, the Matices are, are going to back down for just a sec while um, baby Matice is on the way. So Byron is going to jump in the driver's seat and head, um, head that up. So uh, we will be meeting on the 6th, um, same time we normally meet. Byron, are we meeting in the same spot? Yes. Yes. So same, same spot we're meeting in. If you are not in, on that email list, um, just email Byron or email info at Sunrise Men. We'll get you connected that way. So Pulp Theology coming up for the men. And a third announcement for you guys, Sunrise students, we have an event coming up for y'all. That is coming up on the 11th, Sunday the 11th at 2.30 in the afternoon. You guys will be going roller skating, so 
Super fun. Roller skating coming up for you guys. So Martha on your calendars, February 11th, 2.30 p.m. And lastly, we have partnership class coming up on February 11th. That'll be after church. We haven't had one of these in a bit, but if you have been coming to Sunrise for a while and you want to know what it means to be a partner here at Sunrise, get a little bit more involved, you'll learn about the history of Sunrise in that class. You'll get to have lunch. You'll get to meet the staff, some of the elders, and um, hear Pastor Dennis's story as well. So that is the 11th. Taking that class doesn't exactly mean you're going to become a partner right away, but that's just kind of the starting spot for doing that. So February 11th, sign up. Um, on the app, the email that went out, you can click on that link and it'll get, get you all signed up. That's the last announcement for me. So why don't we take a little bit of time like we normally do to stand up, greet one another, and the kids will be headed out to their time. So let's greet one another. All right. So yet again, this week, we're going to be rocking it old school. No, uh, yeah, no technology, no screen. And so today, we're going to be talking about the Sabbath as hope. Um, and hang in there. We're going to get to the hope eventually, but uh, so often what happens uh, when you're, you're writing sermons is that sometimes the easiest way to describe what a thing is is to talk about its opposite, and we see this happening in the Scriptures all the time. So today we're going to be looking at the Sabbath as hope, and we're going to be taking our text out of Exodus chapter 23 uh, and, and just a few simple verses, verses 10 through 13. So if you would, uh, if, if you have a copy of the Scriptures or if you have your phone, you can get that out. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV, Exodus uh, chapter 23, verses 10 through 13, and we're going to be looking at hope, but we're actually going to be approaching the topic of hope from a less exciting, a less jovial perspective. So I thought about hope, I, I thought about its inverse, frankly, because to be honest with you folks, the last few months and the last few weeks have been quite heavy. And I'm not just talking about some of the personal losses that we have suffered, I'm, I'm talking about some of the things that we've had to walk through um, with many of you on an individual basis. You see, the reality is, is that, that life seems pretty heavy right now. It seems heavy from a global perspective, and it seems heavy from a national perspective, but for me, it seems heavy from a personal perspective. When we get the emails and we get the call that our dear friend, Jason, <laughs> A young man who is very fit has a heart attack this week. Praise the Lord, Jason is at home. He got home yesterday, and Audra and I have been texting, and we're thankful for that. When, when we get the phone call that our, our dear brother Dale is in the hospital because he has a bleed on his lungs, and you, you realize that the world isn't just broken out there, but it's broken in here as well when we sit down with folks who are struggling in a myriad of different ways with physical ailments, with emotional difficulties, with relational problems, when we, we see the pain and the struggle that many folks are experiencing, we're reminded of our great need for hope because of how much hopelessness seems to permeate where we are. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we just come to you in this moment. And Lord, we acknowledge the fact that we live in a world that is broken. And we seem to be experiencing more than our fair share of that brokenness right now. So Lord, we just want to take this moment at the beginning of this service to lift up those that are in this body that are experiencing 
um, Lord, pain and struggle, that the realities of the fall are pressing in on them. And Lord, we just pray that you would be with them right now, that you would bear them up, that you would carry them along, that you would meet them in this space. Father, that, that today as we talk about hope and, and its opposite, Lord, that this would lead us toward you, not away from you. We do pray that you would be with Andrea and Dale as they're in the hospital, that you would be with Jason and Andra and Lennon as, as they're uh, thankful on the other side of, of this, that he's, that he's home. Lord, for so many of us that are, that are struggling with the loss of loved ones, Lord, with um, strained uh, relationships, with prodigal children, Father, with um, confusion uh, over um, a myriad of different um, elements that are in our lives. Father, we pray that today you would meet us in this space and that you would give us peace. That you would give us, Lord, rest from the chaos. That we might be able to experience in, in greater measure your Sabbath as we live in a world that desperately needs your love. So God, go before us today. Be with us. Be very real and present. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In May of 2023, the Surgeon General released a report, and the report was titled, Our Ec Epidemic, Loneliness and Isolation. The report stated that that there's an epidemic in loneliness in the United States. That the lack of, of connection can increase the risk of premature death levels is comparable to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. I thought sitting was the new smoking, but it turns out loneliness is. Reports stated that even before the COVID-19 pandemic, that half of American adults reported experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. The report also, um, it also warns that there are physical consequences for poor connection, and that can lead to a 19, or 29% increase in the risk of heart disease, a 32% increase in the risk of stroke, and a 50% increase in the risk of developing dementia as an older adult. As I read this, I wondered to myself, how is this possible? Because I'm connected all the time. I'm always connected. I get push notifications on this thing all day and all night. If something is happening in the Middle East, I know about it. If something is going on in Ukraine, I hear about it. If something is taking place in Taiwan, I am alerted. I know everything that's said and done on the presidential campaign. I keep up with the local scuttlebutt through the Georgetown Informed Facebook page. Actually, I don't. I don't, but Amy does. And so does Alex. And so they're like, do you know what's going on? And I'm like, I'd rather not. All right? I text my friends. I'm active on my socials. I send and receive work emails in the middle of the night so I can sleep. There's not a lot of laughter because you do the same thing, don't you? I FaceTime my loved ones. I post and repost the, the, the activity formerly known as tweet and retweet on the X. 
I snap my friends, my streaks are legendary. I honestly don't do that. I'm actually not sure what it means. <laughs> I have an active presence on TikTok and Instagram. I have ones and ones of followers. <laughs> and thousands of friends on Facebook. <laughs> oh, folks, that's what passes for connectivity in these days. But we're not connected. The latest report that I found states that anxiety, reports of clinical anxiety in the United States are up to almost 20% of the population. One in five of us struggle with it. Depression in the United States, almost 30% of the population has or is currently suffering from some level of depression. And possibly most heartbreaking is that suicide is at an all-time high. This week as I was working on this message and I was thinking through the, I was thinking through this, this information when I got to this, this part of the study where it was talking about suicide, I, I immediately sent a text to my friend Lisa, um, who's, who's actually here today. So um, this is how this goes. Um, so Lisa and I have this great relationship that we basically, um, we, we text each other periodically, but she knows when she hears from me during the daytime hours, like during work hours, if I'm interrupting, I don't know, Lisa, a grief group that you're, you're right, you're, you're moderating. So when I text her, I'm like, um, hey, Lisa, you got a couple minutes? Don't worry, everything's okay. I just need to pick your brain. Because normally when I text her during the middle of the day, the world has fallen to pieces for somebody. You see, the reason for the second sentence in that text is based upon the fact that, that Lisa and I's relationship is based on a component that is unique in my life anyway, due to her work as a therapist and, a, and her seminary training at Grand Rapids Seminary, is that Lisa's the person that gets the text when someone comes into my office and they're not sure that they can make it one more step. She gets the call when someone comes into my office and they have lost hope. Right, and in this moment, no matter what your and I's relationship is, you're glad that that's not it, right? One point seven million people, my friends, attempts, attempted suicide in the United States in 2021. One point seven million people. We're in so much pain and felt so much hopelessness. They felt so alone and they felt so desperate. That they attempted to take their own lives. And nearly 50,000 completed the task. Um, I don't know about you, but it's kind of hard for me to conceive of those kind of numbers. Right? I, I throw out 1.7, and it's kind of like, okay, that's a, that's a number. That's a big number. So, so I decided to, to do a little bit more research and, and, and to maybe find out, okay, well, what does that look like in, like, real people? Um, so, so in these here United States, um, my home state of West Virginia, yay, go Mountaineers, um, is the 39th most populous state in the country. And West Virginia, the entire population of back home is 1.8 million residents. 
Hawaii, New Hampshire, Maine, Montana, Rhode Island, Delaware, South Dakota, North Dakota, Alaska, Vermont, and Wyoming all have less than 1.7 million people. If we drill down even further, no two of these last six states combined, Delaware, both of the Dakotas, Alaska, Vermont, and Wyoming, if you combine any two of those states, they do not add up to 1.7 million people. Well, what does that look like a little closer to home? Well, if you add up the populations of Ottawa, Muskegon, Kent, Ionia, Eaton, and Ingham counties, so essentially if you get in your car at downtown Holland and you drive up to 96 and you head straight over to the Capitol building in Lansing. In all of those counties in West and Central Michigan, if you add up the populations, you still fall short of 1.7 million. You'd actually have to double the population of Georgetown Township and the city of Hudsonville to reach that mark. In 2021, my friends, 33 people in Ottawa County, Michigan. Lost hope. To the point that ending their life was the only way that they felt they could stop the pain. But that's not just 33 families, that's 33, or that's not just 33 individuals, that's 33 families, that's 33 communities, that's children, that's spouses, that's friends, that's neighbors. Left to ponder and to seek answers to questions that we may never get the answers to. At, at this point on our slides, and I, and I want to take a, we don't have the technological, we don't have the technology this morning, but, but actually at this point I want, to, I want to pause here and just let you know that there are, there's some cards out in the back next to the, they're on the connection table next to that big stand of information that we have. They're just to the left of that. We were going to put the information up here on the screen. But I'm not so naive to think that maybe there isn't somebody in this room today that I may be speaking to you because you may find yourself in a space of hopelessness today. And I want you to know that there's help, that you can call 988, that you can text the word home to 741741. Or you can also do it through the what's WhatsApp, the, the, the uh, app, there are websites that you can visit and that information is out in the foyer if, if you don't feel comfortable talking to any, anyone, you can, you can grab that information. It's part of the reason Lisa's here today. She texted me after we had talked the next day and said, hey, would it be helpful if I came? And I said, you know, it really might. To have someone that is from, right, out of town with a briefcase. We live in a world that's hopeless, my friends. 
And I'm, I'm, I'm not so naive to believe that one sermon is going to make all the difference. I, I don't think that it is. But maybe if you can hear one thing today from this message and from the scriptures is that while you may feel hopeless, there are people that love you and care for you and that there is hope. You see, looking at all these sober realities about our brokenness and fallen world, it, it makes me wonder why so many people have lost this indispensable part of the Christian faith, which is hope. You see, they, I think that we've come to believe lies, lies that, that, that we're all alone and that we're unloved and that we're unseen by others and that leads us to loneliness and isolation. We, we believe, um, we believe that, that, that the worst is so likely to happen that we can't stop being paralyzed by worry and, which manifests in anxiety. We believe that the darkness is so heavy and persistent that the sun has ceased to shine and we are captured by depression. And the conclusion is that the only way to make the pain stop is to make everything stop. Hopelessness, my friends, is a desperate and insidious enemy. But hopelessness is also a liar. It is a liar whose lies are so loud and so persistent that sometimes we can't hear the truth. And if by chance the truth does enter our ears, we often can't believe it. At least not about ourselves. But this isn't a message about loneliness or anxiety or depression or, or even suicide. It's, it's a message about something else. We name them not to give them power, but actually to take power away from them. We name them not because they matter, but because you matter. We name them because we are not exempt as God's children from them. We name them knowing that they cannot be fixed by one simple sermon, but hopefully an encounter with God's Holy Spirit in the presence of God's people through the proclamation of his word might be an invitation to take the first steps from hopelessness toward hope. You see, that's what today's about. Today's about hope. If you find your way to, to Exodus chapter 23, and we'll start at, at verse 10, I'm going to read this passage, and you're going to be like, how in the world is the crazy Appalachian going to get from this passage to hope? Hold my beer. <laughs> As I just dribbled down my... <laughs> that wasn't in the notes. All right. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 23, and, and, and this is, is, is what the scriptures say. It says, for, for, six years, you, or for six years, you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. All right, for six years, you're to sow your fields and to harvest your crop. This is, again, what, what, what's happening here is that Moses is giving the children of Israel more um, 
more laws about how they are to live. And, and he's, again, establishing and reestablishing a rhythm of rest. For six days you're to work, and then you're to rest on the seventh. For six years you're to work, and then you're to rest, and everything is to rest on the seventh. For seven sevens you're to work, and then you're to actually take a hard reset on everything. You're to do your work. You're to work well. You're to worship through this work. You're to do the good gift that God has given you. But then, during the seventh year, you need to not only let yourself rest the way you do on the Sabbath, Sabbath day, but there needs to be a reset of everything that is going on in the nation. Now, there are several benefits that we could talk about this, like why in the world would, would God establish this? And, and folks, I, I think, right, there's, there's truth to the fact that there, there are benefits for fertility, for sustainability, when we, we rotate crops and when we let the land rest and when we uh, insert nutrients and all of those kinds of things. But I'm not sure that sustainability was exactly the highest goal that God had in giving this instruction. I think, I think the main point that he was trying to make to them through this to his people was something that we often forget and that is this is that sin has affected the entire world is that sin just isn't personally about you and I making mistakes or sinning against each other but this entire world is broken and depleted this entire world is affected and ravaged By sin, death, and the fall. And God is telling the people that even the land needs rest. And how were they to do this? Let it lie unplowed and unused. Well, what, what were the people supposed to do? There's, there's more instruction that's given. And the people were actually said, oh, you can go and you can gather what comes up. And you can, you can reap. But, but, but it's not the way things normally are. You're not laboring. You're not planting. You're not doing all of these things. There is an understanding that you will have, have been saving and storing up things. So you have things that are, that, that are put back that you can live off of, that, that your day-to-day -day needs are, are being met. But then there's further, what we'll see here in just a second, is that there's a further um, um, call that God is making to the people that they share with their neighbors. And, and most of all, as they are living in community, that they remember that God is their provider and their sustainer. The next line in the scripture says, then the poor among your people may get food from it. That God is the owner of the land. God is the provider and the sustainer. And that you are in this together. That there's hope for the down and out. That this, this, this communicates that the law was there to protect the least among us. The reality is, friends, is that... I love uh, um, the story of, of Ruth, but people often ask, well, why did Ruth even go back to Israel? Well, there were probably a hundred different reasons, but probably one of the, the main reasons that she went back is that the welfare was much better in Israel than it was in Edom. What do you mean by that, Dennis? I mean, there were laws 
in Israel that basically said that a woman in her position who was a widow, who had lost her sons, who had no one to take care of her, actually could be taken care of or take care of herself because you weren't allowed, uh, the, the, the Hebrew landowners and farmers weren't allowed to, to reap the corners of the edges of the field that was left for those who were poor and in need. There were specific laws about going over the field more than once, leaving the leftovers so that people could gather them up. That's how Ruth met Boaz. That's what she was doing. And what God, again, is establishing here is that he is, con- he is concerned not just for those that have, but for those that don't have. He's, he's calling them into community in a beautiful and a holistic way. The scriptures go on and it says, not just the poor, but and the wild animals may eat what is left. Don't run the deer out of the field. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a place where deer were vermin. Can I get a witness from anybody? Right? My dad hated crows, and he hated deer, and he hated groundhogs, and he, but, but, but there was, there were times where we would lose tons of crops in the garden. Why? Because of deer damage. And, and, and again, what is, what is being said here is, you know what, take, let the land take care of you. Reap from it. Trust me, not your work ethic and not the land even in itself. And even let the, the, the wild animals eat what is left over. And by the way, do the same with your vineyard and with your olive grove. One day a week, one year in every seven is to be dedicated to being rather than doing. We matter because we're His. We're loved because we're His, not because we excel. Six days do your work, but on the Sabbath, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest. If you'll take the time to go through the scriptures, you will be surprised at how many times God shows grace and mercy and concern for animals. At the end of the book of Jonah, as Jonah is angry with God because God has, God has been forgiving, Jonah literally says, I knew you would do this. I knew if they repented, you would, you would forgive them, and I'm mad. And God's response to Jonah is, look, look at these, all, all these people, right? 100,000 people are, are there in, in Nineveh uh, that don't know their right hand from their left. And the last thing he says, and also many animals. So here's, here, here's, what, here's what I wonder, friends. Here's what I wonder. If God cares about the animals, doesn't he care so much more for you? I to go back and I think about this idea that, 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 that we mentioned just, just a few minutes ago, but, but, but this idea that so, so many of us, we, we have grace for, more grace for other people than we have for ourselves. If the animals matter to God, it sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? How much more back to the scriptures and so that the and so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed there is a sacredness a call toward the sacredness in the image of God in another 
verse 13, but be careful to do everything I've said to you. Remember that you're totally dependent upon God for your provision, and he's the one that makes the crops grow anyway. Be careful to do everything that I've said to you. Folks, I think sometimes that we have this, right? So, so if we want food, what do we do? Well, we head to the grocery store, right? In, in, in our family, the division of labor goes something like this. As Amy does the grocery shopping, but I do the running to the store, Right? You guys have that? Like if we need something, right, for a particular meal, I'm the one that runs out and gets it. Right? I think, I think part of the problem is we forget that living in an agrarian society, how many of these folks, all of these folks, that, that they were absolutely tied to whether they got rain or whether they got enough sun, or whether, right? There were all of these things, right? You needed enough rain, but you didn't need too much rain. You needed enough sun, but, but you, know, you didn't want the plants to be scorched. You wanted to, to do all of these things in order to make things grow. The reality is, I think that the ancients understood much better than we do how dependent we are on that old 12 to 18 inches of topsoil and rain and sunlight to grow the food that we eat and, and to sustain us. And so then he closes, do not invoke the name of other gods. What's he saying here? Listen, I'm calling you to rest. And so um, no matter what season of life that you're in, I'm the one that you trust for your provision. You don't call on other gods. Do not let them be heard on your lips. Hope. The Sabbath is hope. Folks, I'm reminded through this passage of Scripture as God is talking to the ancient Israelites about what they're to do on this uh, Sabbath year, this seventh year. I'm reminded that hope is something that I rest in, not something that I work for or earn. That it's not a payment I receive for doing my work well. It's something that I rest in. In. And so many of us, I think, we try to work our way out of worry. We try to work our way out of all of these kinds of, of issues that, that surround us and ensnare us. And maybe the call is to rest more than it is to work. Hope is found in community, my friends, not in isolation. One of the beautiful things about this passage is how it, it shows us that we are in this together. The community, including the land and the animals, were called to rest. The people who had were called to give to the people that didn't. The people that didn't have were called to, to go and to, to swallow their pride and to ask for help. Everyone was told to go out and to gather, right? This idea that if you're willing to work, then you eat, right? Hope is found in community, not in isolation. So often, my friends, I think that we, we have this idea that, well, I, I want to be the person that helps, not the person that receives helps, help. But mark my words, every one of us will need help at some point or another, Every one of us will find ourselves in a place where it's just too heavy to carry. And hope is found in community. Hope. Hope, dear friends, 
get stronger as we find the courage to take one more step in the right direction. You see, it's easier to hope in the big things when we see God's faithfulness in, in the day, in the day-to-day. I remember many years ago, I was, I was in college. My brother was a, was a senior in high school. And uh, things in our family broke. Some, some struggles that mom had been carrying for, for all of her adult life finally had, had, had caught up to her. And I, and I remember um, that, her, that her hope started to return when she took the step to go to the doctor and to tell him what was going on. When she opened up to her therapist, when she had the courage to tell her friends how she was struggling with anxiety and depression that, that came from years of suppressed abuse from her childhood. Sometimes, my friend, hope gets stronger when we have the courage and the strength just to take one step in the right direction. Hope. Hope admits that things are broken. As the worship team comes to, to gather us for our last song, um, I want us all to be reminded that, that it's not a denial or wishful thinking that I'm talking about. Um, and I thought a lot about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, right? Hope admits that things are broken. We, we can't have hope and we can't press into to, to this, to, to hope. We can't see hopelessness overcome unless we're willing to look and to say, there are things that aren't right in the world and maybe there aren't things, there are things that have been done uh, um, to me or around me that, that, that aren't right. And I'm re- I was reminded of this and I've thought a lot about this idea over the last couple of weeks since uh, the, the, the conference, the Haven of Mercy conference at Fairhaven where Christopher, my brother, and Rachel Den Hollander uh, did the speaking. Um, I was telling somebody yesterday that I, I, I sat through most of those two days and I listened with great pride in my heart and tears in my eyes as my brother stood in the gap for women and children who were at one point my mother. Rachel's dad and I talked after the conference was over and we stood there and, and he shared that, um, that this is not what he would have chosen for his daughter. He would not have chosen for her to have to walk the path that she suffered. He would rather not her been the one to stand up and say enough is enough to Larry Nasser. He would have rather she was spared the pain of doing all those things. He would rather that she didn't have the years of hopelessness that demanded all of the the steps toward um, healing. But he was thankful that God gave hope on the other side. I shared a bit about our family story, a story of abuse and mental illness from both sides of the family tree, but a story of hope because mom and my dad's sister Eileen refused, listen to me, to ignore the brokenness. And they stood shoulders squared and said, this doesn't go any further. 
hope, my friends, Christian hope, is based on someone much bigger and much better than us. Why can we have hope? How can we have hope? Well, why and how we can have hope is because we still serve the God of the Sabbath who is here and who is near, who still provides and who still sustains. He's the God who has given us one another, the image of his presence. And sometimes he uses the hands of a doctor to be the healing hands in our lives. And sometimes he uses the arms of a friend to wrap us in his embrace. Sometimes he uses the skills and the ears and the mouth of the therapist to listen and to offer tender advice. But never mistake, he is the one who is able to redeem and to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. To give hope even when time and resources seem to have run out. He reminds us in this passage that he is our provider and sustainer. That he cares. And if he cares about the land and if he cares about the animals, how much more does he care about us? He's given us one another to care for each other, that he has not abandoned us in our suffering, that we are not utterly destitute in our poverty, and he has most clearly communicated these things through his son, Jesus Christ, who has come to give us hope, and he invites us as his people to press in and to bring hope to others. And so today, Today, the invitation is simply this, is to experience the God of the Sabbath who gives hope, who brings peace to the chaos, and to remind each one of us that sometimes the simplest acts of love and obedience are ways and means that he uses to bring peace into the chaos of the lives of others. So never overestimate and never underestimate the power of a hug or a smile or a listening ear. Because the reality is most of us have been there, haven't we? Most of us have, have been there in one form or another where, where hope seems to have been lost. But... but let us be a community that meets people in those spaces as the hands and feet of Jesus. So Father, we, we hope in you. We pray that you would continue to go with us. We pray for today. We pray that you would use every part of us to bring redemption into the space in which we live. We pray, Father, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we pray that everyone under the sound of my voice, Father, would 
would take that next step, whatever that looks like, to experience your peace and your hope. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. As we prepare to sing our closing song this morning, I want to remind you of another way to... um another way to worship this morning is giving our tithes and offerings. Um, so yeah, just if uh, you want to sow into the ministry here at Sunrise, you can do that by on the, on the website, the app, or in the boxes in the back, or even mailing it in. Um, but just a way to sow into the church here as we strive to bring hope to this um, community and hope beyond our doors as well out of the, out of the larger community. So as we sing this closing song, Raise a Hallelujah, um, yeah, it's a song about singing over, over the stuff in our lives and, and asking God to bring hope and change in those situations. So let's sing it over ourselves, sing it over our families, our marriages, and um, in those situations that there may be heaviness and need some hope. So let's stand together and let's sing this song together.
sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Oh, sing a little louder. Sing a little So friends, as we, we go from here, I want us to go with hope. Hope that Lisa, sometimes it's just one hug, right? That lets somebody know that they're not alone. Yeah, there's a, during COVID, Lisa showed up at the church when we were in lockdown wearing a bunny rabbit head and was standing like this at the back of the, of the room. And, uh, it freaked us all out. <laughs> but that day mattered. Jared's hope. It's hope that the kingdom can be different. For we are brothers based upon the power and the presence of the Spirit in our lives and not the backgrounds that we come from. There's hope. There's hope, Kelly, that when we don't know what to say, when we're walking into the brokenness of other people's lives, that the Spirit will meet us in that place. And if there's something to say, He'll tell us. And if there's not, just being present. Denny, there's hope that when we don't know we know he's good. That he walks with us, Bill. And carries us through times. 
that we'd rather not have to walk. So when we tell our friend, Pam, you text me at three in the morning, no matter, no matter what, you, you let me know. That gives hope. That when we see redemption, Randy, after pain where God brings love back into your life, that there's hope. Tim, that when we think we lose our spouse, that, that God amazingly provides her healing. And she continues the ministry that God has, has given her. That when we press in, in little ways, in small ways, and in big ways, that when we hold back the chaos with his love and with his peace, we bring his hope. So go from this place as his emissaries of light and love and peace and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in his peace.